Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Three pro athletes, two Guerreros, and one breaking news alert. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hey there, 83 Weeks fans. It is time for the buzz to begin. We are talking Bash at the Beach 1998 this week. But of course, there is a little bit of current news regarding Eric Bischoff himself that we have to get to as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to us tonight. Uh, Let me introduce our panel before I give you a little bit of sad news. He runs a YouTube channel for all your favorite wrestling vets. Hello, Steve Kaufman. Hello, I uh, just saw Spider-Man. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. cute. Okay, guys. Wrestling, wrestling, <laughs> and things. This guy is the encyclopedia of professional wrestling or sports entertainment, as Eric Bischoff now calls it. Oh, I know. It. I kind of got a little annoyed at that. Yeah, George Hermosa, tell us your feelings. I mean, it was like, oh, he's becoming one of them. It's like he's, oh, he's molding himself wow. into the into that, you know, it's like the blob. It's like he's just, you know, whatever. You know what it is. We all seen the blob. I mean, I think he did it a little bit to, uh, to Eric Conrad. Mm-hmm. But, of course, uh, what we're talking about is Eric Bischoff's brand new role as the executive director of SmackDown Live. And um, he, he gave us a little tidbit at the end of the episode. We are not going to make you guys wait to talk about this, okay? <laughs> there were way too many teases on this. And we finally got some info from him. He is moving to Stamford. He considers this the biggest opportunity he's ever had. So that would be overrunning WCW. And uh, there will be, sadly, no more live shows. However, he does plan to continue on with 83 Weeks. And he also plans to continue on with After 83 Weeks and calling into our show. However, here's your sad news that I promised you. Eric is under the weather tonight, or so he says. And we believe him (laughs) that he has the flu. Um, There are not reports that he's anywhere else. We do tape this on Tuesday nights. So we hope that he feels better soon. And we uh, cannot wait is an understatement to talk to him next week. But on that note, I know a lot of you are buzzing about this news, so we want to talk about it with you. Guys, we were shocked by this. Were we not? I I was 100%, a 1,000% shocked at the news. Not just Bishop, but obviously Heyman as well. Yeah. Because it's... it's you, you hear a lot of things about competition. Like, is this because of AEW, what they're doing? Would they have done this regardless? Like, so much news. And to pick those two guys, especially Bischoff, who hasn't really been involved in any kind of managerial role, mm-hmm. executive role at all in WWE, so let alone been in, you know, WCW and TNA. I know he had a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I was just shocked. And honestly, once you really break it down, those two are probably the best two guys to really make the product look different. We saw a little bit with Heyman on Raw this weekend or this past week. Um, kind of, I'm, I'm excited to see what Bischoff has to bring. Rumors are he... I, I know it's all rumors, and there were rumors that he was going to be on SmackDown this week, which obviously mm-hmm. he's not. Uh, rumors is he might be starting the week of the, the 19th. After Extreme Rules. Yeah, mm-hmm. that. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm very, very excited. If what we saw... Around this time with Nitro Bash at the Beach 98, if that's a good indication on what Nitro is going to be, I'm all for it. 
I think if he's moving to Stanford on the 10th, 19th seems like the perfect start date. Right. Especially the way he's the kind of guy who likes to go to a city a day early. Mm-hmm. That I wouldn't be shocked if he's trying to move into Stanford on the 10th for a 19th official. But he's going to get himself acclimated for nine days. I, I think the Fox deal is pretty new and huge for the WWE. Mm-hmm. That I can't think of anyone better executively right. to speak wrestling to executives. He speaks TV executive and he speaks wrestling. So he's kind of a translator between Vince McMahon, who speaks Vince McMahon. Right. And I'm kind of curious. I have so many questions. So maybe it's kind of kind of like, a, I don't know what the word is, like, maybe good that he's not here this week. Because I feel like, well, maybe not good. I chose the wrong word. But I feel like, th- because that's a new type, that's a new position. Mm-hmm. Executive, he's not, they're not replacing anybody. Yeah. That's a right. brand new position they created. So there's a lot of. I was so excited to announce him as the inaugural <laughs> executive director so, I mean, of there's SmackDown. A, there's a lot of questions for the actual role itself mm-hmm. that I'd be afraid that maybe him or Paul Heyman can't really answer it because it's still kind of a role that's getting, you know, created. So I'm kind of curious if this is what's going to be similar to what WCW was, where yeah. it's still going to be Vince McMahon's, you know, company. Dixie Carter was still, you know, TNA. So same way Bischoff was in charge of TNA. I'm kind of curious how different this role is going to be for him. My biggest question is, and there has been obviously lots of rumors and innuendo as to if he will be an on-air character not. or not. I really hope not. At first it sounded like not, but Paul Heyman came out and made this whole deal about, I wouldn't want to be a general manager because that's played out, and it sort of made it sound like they just created this new word for someone who's essentially going to be an on-air general manager. I really hope um, not. Personally, I think personally, I, th- I would be okay with Eric Bischoff behind the scenes and off camera mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being this role. Yeah. And he could turn up on that Fox Sports show. He could t- he could tweet about it. He could turn up in interviews. Similar to how the executive producer of Game of Thrones doesn't appear on Game of Thrones. I think that would give you I think that would give you a lot I do think on the Paul Heyman side, that would be a bit of a waste of Paul Heyman. I think the best is, put him on TV. I mean, I think that's an interesting Game of Thrones, but it may be like a more like uh, interesting uh, comparison would be look at Dana White in UFC. When, oh, I thought you were going to say the executive producer of um, Total Bellas, Nikki Bella, is on Total Bellas. <laughs> but look at Dana White in UFC. When he has, when he comes out on during the UFC pay per views, it's because he has something to say. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be some great news or some interesting news. You don't see Dana White. Um, I mean, I guess you've seen presenting the belts, but that's just that's a little bit different. But I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see him being that kind of role, uh, you know, the same way Dana White, especially with all this crossover that kind of Fox wants to look like more UFC-ish. Yeah. You know, it, so so interesting that SmackDown is going to, to Fox. They want to look more sportish. So I would kind of like to see if Bischoff is going to be an on-air role to be more of a Dana White as opposed to a Mr. McMahon kind of role mm-hmm. so on the in, show. So that in commentary they're talking about, like, oh, AJ Styles, he's looking real good here. Eric Bischoff tweeted today that he really liked how, Eric Bisch- how, how AJ Styles looked. Maybe he'll get a title shot because Eric Bischoff took a look. So that's similar to how they talk about Dana White. That he's this omnipresent person right. that sometimes does interviews, but it's not its not the same as the general manager coming out and saying all the like. It would be an interesting role. I also think he'd be fine just talking, talking to executives and then talking wrestling and then kind yeah. of 
being just, that translation and just having an overall like, vision. Like the, like the role says, let them direct the show. Right. That doesn't mean they have to be on air. Just let them direct the show. We've all seen what each person can do when given that creative capacity and, you know, given, the, the, and especially with Bishop being so, I need everything to look different. I need it to be, you know, production-wise. And that's that's what I'm excited for the most. Not the creative side. We never really knew Bishop as being a creative guy, even though he can be. You know, we look at Heyman being more creative, but as far as Bishop goes, I'm more interested in, I'm more interested in see just how different he's going to make the product look. Well, you know, only uh, the office, as they call him, live in Stanford. So he definitely is working behind the scenes, as he said, 23-7? 23-7. I think he's implying there is one night or one hour of sleep every day. I thought he was implying that one hour of filming 83 weeks. That's what I thought. I was like, if they're going to batch the 83 weeks episodes, then you you damn right they're going to batch the after 83 weeks episodes. We do have to bring it back full circle to 83 weeks because this, of course, is the show for fans of 83 weeks. We cover all the big reveals, get your fan reactions, and you can usually send in your questions for Eric using hashtag after 83 weeks. Make sure you hit subscribe. This is Eric's channel, and we love the support. And uh, you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts if you'd rather listen. We would appreciate a five-star rating, leave a little comment, let us know what you think about the show, and we'll give you a little shout-out. We like to do that. I'm getting kind of sick of saying these two guys' names. So I'm sick of give, us something too. To work, give us something to work with, people. Alright, on that note, man, I love discussing all the current news. <laughs> but uh, let's get back in our Wayback Machine, as Conrad calls it, to Bash at the Beach 1998 from the Cox Arena in San Diego. Let me set the scene for you. We have Goldberg as our new champion. He now holds two titles, and they're kind of coming hot off the most viewed match in history. Okay, we'll tell them Seven again. million people. Don't you think that would be a lot of pressure? <laughs> I just want to say one thing real quick because uh, they were in San Diego, California. The day before, they were at, they had a house show in, in Inglewood at the Forum. <gasps> I was there. You were there. Hogan versus Thing in a Cage main mm-hmm. event. Who did Goldberg work? I don't know. Okay. I think it was Kurt Henning. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, I remember it. Just it was just kind of because the year before they had an amazing house show, like amazing show, a house show, and, and but this year was like kind of lame. Or in 98, it's kind of lame. It was just kind of like, I think that's where they had, like, Scotty Riggs come out and Russell, whatever. But I just remember Hogan and Sting in the cage, and it was okay. But I just remember looking back at it when they were talking about, oh, San Diego. I was like, wait, there was a house show the day before that I was at. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, we are giving you first-hand accounts right here on After 83 Weeks with Christy Olsen, people. And uh, actually, maybe they weren't too concerned about following that up because they had three big-name athletes on this pay-per-view. Kevin Green, who we've seen before on WCW, and then Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman. And it was so interesting to hear from Eric the juxtaposition between working with Carl Malone and working with Dennis Rodman. Uh And actually, some of the things that he said about Rodman were completely expected, like that he's a pro vodka drinker, but others unexpected, like that he's an introvert. And it sounds like Eric really got to know him quite well. What did you think of his characterization of uh, Rodzilla, as they called him in this pay-per-view? I always enjoy when he talks about Dennis Rodman, because I think Dennis Rodman's a pretty fascinating, pretty fascinating person in our pop culture, yeah. especially currently. <laughs> currently and where he's wound up and who he's wound up aligning with geopolitically, which is term you wouldn't think about when you think about Dennis Rodman. Yeah. But I actually see a bit of the introversion, because people who are introverts but that are active socially tend to be a type of extrovert that doesn't actually exist. Mm-hmm. That an introvert who's jumping out isn't actually, is still an introvert. They're just like, I need to be what I think an extrovert is. 
That's deep, Steve. My, my favorite part about the, him talking about Rodman and Malone was the part where he was telling them. Because, I mean, the fact that they were in the finals against each other, in the, in the NBA finals, mm-hmm. not the playoff, not a game, in the NBA finals, playing against each other, you couldn't script. Like you said, you couldn't. Like, that was millions of dollars of promotion that he pretty much got for free. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, found that, I found that to be so fascinating. Um, Something I kind of, I, I was very, very, like, the revelation that you were speaking of that we always have for the show where it was like he was kind of telling each guy like hey if you kind of want to during the game like don't jeopardize the 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 integrity of the game but outside of that if you guys want to you know give a chiller a nudge here and there i'm like oh my god like that's that's brilliant that's i don't a, know yeah. that's, that's I feel genius bishop coming out eric that. actually made headlines with that when he made those comments on our show <laughs> a few months ago you may have read that in the dirt sheets so you know i'm just saying tune in here first Hmm? Or second, there's you know. a lot of stuff that he says here that he doesn't that he says the 83 weeks afterwards or yes. after he says it after after he says it weeks. on after 83 weeks before he said it no, says it on 83 after, weeks. Yeah. Well, yeah, just since we're light and missing him tonight, I want to you know remind people that there is a lot of reason to tune in right here when he on, does turn up uh, when he does turn up on the show. Yeah. It's good. It's juicy. It's juicy. Carl Malone was so into it, according mm-hmm. to Eric. Um, I think that must just be, can you imagine how much fun it is for someone like that whose professional career has always been probably really high stakes, high stress, and you really have to perform to kind of just do something that, even though he took it seriously, is a little more fun. I mean, I think at that time, Michael Jordan was the best player in the league, but it'd be, it'd be kind of like similar to, let's say, like a... Who's like the third best player in the league? Uh, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. It'd be like Kevin Durant, like being in WWE right now. Like that's how big of a deal it was back then, you know. And then you have the most controversial player in the entire league. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that would be in, in NBA right now. Uh, Ryan in the booth, help, help us out. But like it's just, it's just that's how much like it was big back then. A lot of people don't realize just how big this was. Mm-hmm. I don't actually wouldn't know who any of those people are. <laughs> you, anyway, know, so. you probably know them more of wrestling now than, as opposed to NBA. Right. I mean, that is how I approached Dennis Rodman when I did run into him several <laughs> weeks ago. And uh, that thing about him being a pro vodka drinker, I was like, who drinks kamikazes? He was drinking Rick like Flair. kamikaze, which is vodka and triple sec and sweet You don't sweet like kamikazes? No, that's like your basic... That's like an adios. That's like your basic college kid <laughs> shot. Like, yeah. I, the college kid shots have gotten worse. It's like uh, Jägermeister now. It's like Tide Pods or something. I think it's Fireball now. I think it's... (laughs) Fireball. No, that's a high school Freaking Lana. Every time I hear Fireball, I think of Lana. (laughs) Why? That's like like all she says. is like, oh my God, who wants a shot of Fireball? Oh, really? Well, she is very... I was going to say spicy, but she's salty, isn't she? <laughs> she's That's her gimmick now. She's salty. Well, let's jump right in. I know you guys watched uh, Bash at the Beach back 1998, because we always do that. Eric gave this one an 8.5. And I actually think the matches on this show were really strong. We're kind of used to tearing apart the shows. And really, some of the ones we've done in the last few months have been those ones that Conrad wanted to hear Eric kind of crap on. But this wasn't one of those. It's crazy because I think Bischoff has said it on this show before, where he didn't really look at Starcade as the biggest event. It was it, he didn't look at it at WrestleMania, or I'm sorry, he didn't look at Starcade as the WrestleMania of WCW. Mm-hmm. I think he said he looked at Bash at the Beach as, as the WrestleMania of, of WCW. So it doesn't surprise me that this card was like packed. It was like jam packed, and I will say right now, maybe like best ever, maybe like top three. This roster is like bar none, not just technical wise, but like you look at Star Power, like Hogan, Savage, Flair, Piper, Sting, Luger, Nash. Yeah. You know, like and, and 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 that's excluding Jericho, Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, Mysterio, Guerrera, Kidman. You know, all these guys where it's like, oh my god, like, like how do you fail with that roster? Mm-hmm. 
Does that make you wonder if Eric will be focusing at all on acquisitions? I am kind of curious. I am kind of curious if he's going to bring maybe some cruiserweights to SmackDown. Oh, because he does love those cruiserweights. Yeah. And if and if we're reading the dirt sheets, two of five live. Has I always, mean, let's be real. We are, are reading we, the dirt sheets. <laughs> According to the dirt sheets, two of five Eric. live has been on the bubble for like a year. With two should, five live, it's been on the bubble to be canceled for a they year. They need to do that from full sell, though. I. If if the option is binary, I would rather they just go to full sale and keep the show alive and mm-hmm. then pre-tape it and it's just... I mean, after the live tours tanked, I think, you know, the writing was on the but wall. That, that I was mean, over a year ago. Just damn Enzo. <laughs> uh, don't blame we'll, Enzo. We'll blame Enzo for but, a lot of things. But yeah, I will, That's okay. one of them, yeah. I will say, patreon.com slash 83 weeks, I I played a game with Eric called Who Dat NXT Edition. Oh. And he did not do well. Oh, no. <laughs> he's... He's going to do well once he jumps yeah, into his new he role. He will now. Yeah. yeah, he will now. He had no reason to at the time, but at the time he Was there anyone that he did know that you got the idea he kind of had his eye on or that he really No, liked? it was bad. Like like I showed him a picture of someone he worked with in TNA. And he was like, I I know that guy. He Who was like Gunner or something or Jackson Riker? Patreon.com slash 83 weeks. All right, we are going to tune into <laughs> that one. I know I'm paying the nine bucks a month or whatever <laughs> it is to get all the, the juicy scoop. Hey, but you can get it for free right here on After Any of the Weeks. Uh, where are we at here, guys? What was uh, what match kind of spoke to you the most? Eric loved them all, and we had some big, like you said, stocked roster here. Huge names, huge matches. Which one? It's funny. You... Out of all these names that I just just randomly shouted out, I didn't even mention Bret Hart versus Booker T. Seriously, <laughs> but like, it's easy to overlook that one when Bret Hart is vying for the TV title. Yeah, and that just shows like yeah, it's all this stacked roster, and it kind of sh- it's funny because like I I say this all the time. Raw and SmackDown, or even NXT to some extent, that roster is so, like, what's the word, when there's too many people? Like, there's just a lot of people to the yeah. point where, like, Shinsuke Nakamura was on SmackDown last week for, like, the first time in, like, months. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, Shinsuke Nakamura? And, I don't know, there was something about this roster that they found time to, to use everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. It, whether it's having a television title that, you know, maybe it wasn't for... You know, Hogan was never going to uh, face for the TV title, mm-hmm. but, you know, Brett might. You know, and it just kind of shows, like, that's how stacked this roster was. And I'll put it up against pretty much any roster in the history of wrestling. Oh. Mm. And you really wanted to ask Eric if he would give himself props No, because it's, like, it's like, you look at back, because you look back at it, he kind of built that roster. Yeah, you know, well, he yeah. said, oh, I've been to Japan a few times. A lot of these guys would be great on WCW TV. Oh, you know, he, he, he obviously brought in Hogan. He brought in Savage. You know, he brought in a lot of guys. Like, he, he is the reason why a lot of these guys were on TV every single week. Would you call that Eric's greatest strength? Like, what do you guys think is his greatest strength? I think he has a good eye strength. for talent. Now, whether or not what to do with that talent, that's, that's besides mm. the point. But, like, I think as far as getting talent and He's acquiring talent. He's to know what to do with people necessarily. Or that's that true. I mean, I mean, because I, I we mentioned it last week. He knows how to make stars. Mm-hmm. Now, once you, you know, it's time to elevate them, that's another story. But I think mm-hmm. it's a combination of some of the top guys not wanting to give up their spot, no matter what Bischoff may <laughs> say. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to he's going to deny it but I, I think a lot of it's the top and you're guys you're going to harass him about it uh, yeah I think I mean it's for real like if you were you know the, the queen bee mm-hmm. like and you have all these new guys kind of coming for your spot like it's okay pro wrestling can be a very selfish industry it is and that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. um, I think his greatest strength business wise is delegation mm. and like pure delegation of versus someone like Vince McMahon who the Jim Cornette quote is that they run the lunch schedule by Vince McMahon 
And from all the stories I've heard, that doesn't seem too far off mm-hmm. of how micromanaging Vince McMahon is of how, within the WWE. Whereas you talk to Eric Bischoff, he'll look back, look at a, look back at a finish and go, I really needed to talk to Kevin Sullivan before mm-hmm. that, right. so we could have less finishes like this, but still completely give that autonomy to Kevin Sullivan to make those choices, mm-hmm. like not micromanage him, like actually let him do the job. And I think that's something he's very good at. And in his, like, if we're comparing him to Paul Heyman, which we all are right now. Of course. That's that's a weakness we all saw in Paul Heyman, similar to Vince McMahon, that he, I don't know if he didn't trust everyone, or he only trusted himself to do every possible job to do. And, and, and in turn, like, with that news of micromanaging, you know, being the micromanager that Vince McMahon is, we're hoping that this is kind of step one of him not being a micromanager. Because we all, we all thought the same thing, at least I think I... Think I think everybody did, where it's like, we saw the news, and it's like, oh, well, I wonder how that how, how long that's going to last. Because we see it all the time. Yeah. Now it's going to be different. It ends up being the same. Oh, now it's going to be different. It ends up being the same. I mean, I'm optimistic, but also, like, I can't ignore what's happened before. Also, as a, as a friend of Eric, I'm just happy for... I. I know within reason what that check would have to look like, and I'm just happy for Eric. You know what? I'm glad you said that, because when this news first came out, I was sort of like, this means he's going to have to stop doing his show, and we're going to have to stop doing our show, and why does WWE be running on stop. my black um, But then when I listened to Eric talk about how excited he is and how huge this is for him, it made me excited for him when you talk about the move and the whole thing. Like, that's... I would say a once in a lifetime experience, like a, but he's probably done it a lot. There, but like, it's it's really fun, and it's, it's for him to be doing that at his age to almost be getting like yeah. a whole second shot at his entire wrestling career. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I want to say when, when he was saying about moving to Stanford, I don't know. There was like a little gleam in his voice. I don't know what it was. I just heard it. I'm like, he legit sounds happy. Yeah. But yeah. imagine, imagine Leave being... that big old beautiful house that we see in the background every week. <laughs> crazy, and it's crazy because like his, 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 I'm so sorry, but like his kids are adults now. Like, yeah. not like he has to stay in a certain place, you know. Mm-hmm. But imagine all the mountains he's conquered in his life, and like the, the, the sound in his voice we heard, which like it sounded like someone who felt like he kept he someone who a climber who thought they were retired and found another mountain. Mm-hmm. And was like, wait, I can climb that. I'm gonna go climb that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I didn't th- like. I I'm really excited for him. I'm mm-hmm. also excited for Paul because I think between Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, wars, as you would say, are written by the winners. And WWE mm-hmm. was the winner. And part of rewriting that history was putting out to a certain extent hit jobs publicly on both of them. Yeah. To be like, oh, Paul Heyman mismanaged and bounce checks, and ECW went bankrupt because of his mismanagement. You're not wrong. Eric Bischoff just had Ted Turner's checkbook and did whatever Hulk Hogan told him, and like there was both of those people have a lot of stink to them like that. That mm-hmm. I think a, both, for both of them to have something that's theirs, even if it's under Vince's hand or under Vince's thumb, really, yeah, it's still good for them if they if they can deliver, if they're allowed to deliver. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's true. The last thing you said, I 100% agree. Well, since we're back on it anyway, Sorry, yeah. I mean, it's just, this is what people want to hear about. Ether, this yeah. is what we want to talk about. Can you, it's our encyclopedia of uh, 
sports entertainment. <laughs> Can you give us a little dish on um, Eric and Paul's relationship over the years? I mean, I've always been, always been curious about that myself, and I, I know I had a question that I didn't get a chance to ask him last week because they were doing 94, because they kind of had a working relationship back in 94. In the because, early days, Because yeah. we saw, you know, Paul Lee go to go to ECW and, you know, create a build or whatever, and you always heard all this, like, Paul Heyman kind of bashing Eric Bischoff, you know, uh, for the greater the crowd. But, like, you saw, like, Bobby Eaton or Arn Anderson mm-hmm. wrestle in ECW. Like, they were wrestling in ECW. You saw Cactus Jack with the WCW tag belt spitting on it on ECW mm-hmm. TV. So we know there was something there. Yeah. Uh, but I think part of it is when, you know, maybe Bischoff took Malenko, Guerrero, Benoit, was like, I think B- Paul was like, this guy's kind of a kind of a dick, you know? <laughs> He's like, stealing all my talent, you know, let alone, but you're, you're giving talent to WWF, so what's the difference? Um... I mean, I think it's been off and on, I think, you know, during the wars, but obviously maybe both being on-air talent. We all remember that segment, I want to say it was in 06, where you had Vince, on 05, Vince Bischoff and Paul Heyman in the same ring at the same time, Mm -hmm. where it was kind of like history in the making, because I think that was the first time Mm -hmm. all three were, you know. That was Rumble 04, but then it happened again, heading into One Night Stand in Mm -hmm. 06. But there were, those moments were so seldom. Mm -hmm. Because 04, it was when they were both GMs, and then 06. Right. Eric was still a GM and was doing his damnedest to put over the one-night stand pay-per-view to people who've never heard of ECW. There was nothing really personal between them, from what I know. I mean, everything that Bischoff has said about Paul is what people, everybody's been saying about Paul. Yeah. And whatever Paul has been saying about Bischoff is what everybody says about Bischoff. So when you kind of see them together, um, you know, you hear about them now, where it's like, oh, yeah, I got nothing against them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's, all, it's all cool, you know? I mean, it's fine. I think it was more professional. Maybe a little friendly competition. I hope so. I mean, we kind of saw it earlier with, like, Shane and Steph, like, two years ago. And, again, they just completely got rid of that when it was going good, you know? Mm-hmm. I, um, when I spoke to him about it Friday, I specifically said, as a, as a kid from Philadelphia who also runs your YouTube channel, I'm happy you both work for the WWE so I don't have to choose. I'm just going to watch them both. Don't make me choose. But, I mean, at don't the same time. Don't make me buy an I'm an Eric Bischoff guy shirt. You can't help to think, like... Did, does AEW have anything to do with this? On what planet, or what do you even... What, what uh, do you, okay, because, for oh, example... Oh, you think, like, AEW made WWE made, because, want, to, because, want to have a big move. Because no make, matter big what, moves. how much people may deny it, WWE is doing specific things because of AEW. Like, I, I, I think we're going to rank... If we're going to rank motives, I'd say it's Fox Steel. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because that's where the money Vince's, is. AEW isn't going to hurt their money. Like Vince's decades-long secession plan. Mm-hmm. And then competition, question mark? Like, not yeah. just AEW, competi- like, the marketplace? Like, yeah. as a corporation like that, I don't think they're... I don't think they're viewing... I don't know. Now, were, was AEW ever talking to Eric Bischoff? I can't confirm or deny that. I have no idea. Like, I honestly don't know. <laughs> he, when we've prodded him about it repeatedly, he has always said that he... No one has talked to him about right. it. Right, yeah. There, I'm sure if you check the tapes, there'd be a gap from when we stopped asking him about it <laughs> that it, there might be a moment. Like, <laughs> right. Like, who knows who talks to who? Mm-hmm. And if that has anything to do with it, but I do know if if it's one of the three motivators, that may be part of it. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's probably not zero percent part of it. I mean, either way, no matter what, no matter who did it, you look at January first up until July first. I love 2019 so far because you look at January first in WWE and wrestling in wrestling in general. Because okay. January first, that was when they announced the creation of AEW. Right. You know, so that already in itself was a big deal. You know, you end the first half of the year. You have McMahon. I'm um, sorry, uh, Bischoff and 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 Heyman running Raw on SmackDown. You have fi- Fire Fighter Fest that happened this past weekend, mm-hmm. which was like, I mean, it was an okay show. But like, you just just I like pro wrestling how it is today. I think it's been. Business-wise, I mean, that's I don't know anything about that. But as far as interest level, like, I love what the first half has gone. And we can only uh, uh, predict what the second half is going to do. Fox, AEW on TNT, uh, you know, Bischoff and Heyman. Like, man, like, if it's, I'm, I, know, I think it's going to be a good year. Impact, possibly on Access TV. Like, yeah, 2019 is a good year for wrestling. You know what we're giving you right now, people? This is what you would have had if there would have been social media and internet back in the WCW versus mm-hmm. WWE days. Yeah. Literally this. We would have all right. <laughs> we would have all been in a studio talking about it. <laughs> so, I mean, on that note, let's get back to WCW Bash at the Beach. Uh, it's kicked off with Raven versus Perry Saturn, and uh, one thing that Eric said was that he didn't think either one would ever be a breakout star. I don't know. I guess, don't you think it's arguable that, that either one was? I mean, I... I agree with Saturn. I never really saw main event, but I saw it in Raven. Really? Yeah. Um... When it comes to, like, a main event, breakout, mainstream star, mm-hmm. I always look to people who don't follow wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I remember my father was in the room when Perry Saturn jumped to Raw and saw Perry Saturn and was like, that's the, that's a stone-cold killer. <laughs> when my father was convinced of those four, and we know those four, my father was convinced that Perry Saturn was, like, that's funny. the most, like... I guess nowadays you would call it an MMA comparison. Like, the most likely to actually kill someone. Like, the most <laughs> likely to just be, like, to handedly defeat someone. Right. Personality, you know. What, whether that makes you a, how that can make you a star, I think it's pretty limiting if you don't have. I ju- yeah. I just feel like Raven was so creative. Like, you know, going from, you know, early WCW. You always stand for Raven. (laughs) I've always been a big fan of Raven. Like, I I, I love this promos. I remember back in the day I was part of, like, an E-Fed, you know that was? Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I used to, like, you know, try to do promos as Raven. Uh, Is he trying to, to get a podcast started? Here he has if a podcast this started. stuff goes under with Eric, do we need effect. to reach out to Raven? I'm we sure should. Raven, I'm the sure Raven, Raven Effect. Yeah. You know what's the Raven Effect? I'm on the Jericho Network? Raven has a podcast, yes. Yeah. And keeping it 100 with Conan, who faced Disco Inferno on the, on the show? I mean, I love me some Disco Inferno. Really? Yeah. yeah. Why? We're going to get her subscribed to so many podcasts. Glenn Gilberti? I mean, what? Glenn Gilberti. That's his real name. Oh, that's, well, that's well, you, ever, you don't love Disco that much, since you yeah. don't even know his real name. I mean, I don't think that he would be, although, that would have a problem with me calling him Disco. Although, I was a big Alex Wright fan. I don't care what anybody says. Alex Wright, I think, is one of the most underrated talents of WCW history. Fight me on it. When I hear Alex Wright, I think of the, um, like, northeastern current indie guy that I worked with a couple years ago. Hammerstone? He probably isn't even using that name anymore. No, there's an Alex Wright on the indies. There is no way. Yeah. This, this is the Alex Wright that beat Triple H. Yeah, different one. But still, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Arkin 94. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, was, if I were him, that would be my t-shirt. I'd be Triple Alex H. Alex Wright, I'd be Triple H. Cute. Uh, how's this for a t-shirt? My uncle has a shadow that I cannot get out of. A lot of discussion on this episode of 83 Weeks about Chavo Guerrero Jr. and Eddie Guerrero. Obviously, they have this feud going on on this pay-per-view that ends with Chavo cutting his own hair. I mean, where are you guys at on this argument? Did 
Chavo get overshadowed by Eddie? Yes. Overall? And yes. what, what could have he done to stand out? Nothing. Really? Just because really Eddie was that good? Yep. You disagree? Oh, that's sad. No, I don't just. Dis- overall, was a question. Was clarifying the question. I think by '98, by '98, I honestly think it could have gone either way, just because both of their careers at that moment had such longevity. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's something to be said about your bright. Your your light can only shine as bright as it. Like your everyone's light has a maximum brightness. Yeah. And that in in the like superstar realm, I'm getting cosmic and weird. But like in the superstar realm, Eddie's was infinite, right. whereas Chavo's. Had a limit as a superstar, as a person, as a human, as a, crea- as a creator, as a career. Those are all different. But like, I think Eddie as a star was a, li- a bit more bound, connected with the audience a bit more. I mean, nothing taken away from Chavo either, because I yeah, cause love he Pepe. Brought something a little different than Eddie did. Yeah, exactly. Right? Pepe was like gold yeah. in WCW, you know. Um, and even like WWF, and I know they tried like with Current White and doing whatever his thing, but then obviously everything happened where it couldn't be Current White anymore. But it. Uh, and Conrad says this all the time. If if his last name was wasn't Guerrero, who knows? But the fact that it was, I feel like no matter what, it was always going to be. And even after Eddie passed away, it was always the Eddie chance. You know, you saw that with Ray for a while. Yeah. But then it kind of stopped because Ray is Ray. Yeah. But then Chavo, it's like, and it's great that they chant Eddie at Chavo Guerrero, but it, it just it, it does kind of suck that his last name was Guerrero because who knows what Chavo could have become. Yeah. Although Chavo had a pretty badass career, not saying he did it all the way to like he's been he's been the stunt coordinator, meaning the wrestling the wrestling trainer on Glow this entire time. That's right. Glow, the only TV show about wrestling, like Mm -hmm. the only scripted TV show about pro wrestling, and he's the guy training all those people to be besides Total Divas. Fair. That is, that, is, that is scripted. The, the Emmy would call it unscripted, but you're right. It's it's probably more scripted than Glow. Well, uh, Kevin Green isn't following any scripts because he is an NFL player. Making Was this his second, third appearance in WCW? It's been a few. Because I remember Great yeah. American Bash, it was him and Mongo against Flair and Anderson. In 97, Slambury was Kevin Green. Right, Piper and Flair against like you know Hall Nash and Six. So yeah. this is like three or four. Well, then this match in particular against the Giant for a couple of guys who didn't have a ton of experience. I mean, it wasn't bad. Giant was good. Giant was always pretty good. Like he was, he was real fresh there. But really <laughs> he could throw a mean drop kick too. I remember uh, Clash of the Champions, August '96. It was like a 30 second match with him and Benoit, and similar. Like he gave him a, a choke, uh, gave him a drop kick, picked him up like high up, and he held him in the air for like 10 seconds, and then he dropped him. And I don't know, it's like a 30 second match, but I thought it was awesome. <laughs> and, and it reminded me when he said that when he gave Graven Green the choke slam, I'm like, man, like that was a good one too. Yeah, he's someone. The giant, the giant is someone who is not asked very often in interviews about the past. He's always talking about the future and is he going to retire mm-hmm. and what's going on with WWE and what he thinks about current wrestling and all of that. I would love to How many times get him sat down year? on one of these kinds of shows and yeah. open him up a little bit. I'd like to ask him about knuckleheads. I would like to ask him about his, like, I would like to ask him about when he, when pitched Knucklehead, was it like, hey, you're going to be in a movie and it's going to be cool? Or was it like, no, this movie's going to be amazing and we're going to base a whole career around you? Because we all know how that worked. Like, that L.A. speak that, like, no, no, you're going to be in a movie. Your whole life is going to change. And he's got a great personality. I remember watching Conan O'Brien one time in January of 03. Yeah. And it was like Tom Selleck, 
Big Show was like the second guest, and it was like one of those like sex experts, but she was really old. And they were like, you put them together with like Conan O'Brien, and it was like I have it on video somewhere because it was so funny. Like it was just hilarious. Like Big Show was like, this guy's got oh my god, like the personality on this guy, like bar none, he's gonna be one of the best big men ever. Okay, I was gonna say how'd that work out? Mm. Pretty well. I mean, who do you name a better big man? Well, let's let's switch it up and talk about a little guy. I don't think he would. Would Jericho mind me calling him a little guy? Comparatively, uh, mean, a not big com- man. Yes, comparatively, a not big man. One Jericho. Uh, Eric really put him over on this episode. Called him ahead of his time. Um, and kind of gave us a little scoop on this match that a lot of it happened on the outside to uh, to protect from injuries. I mean, do you, would you say Jericho was really so far ahead of his time at yeah, this time? Yeah, but at the same time, it's easy for Bischoff to say that now. Then yeah. you should have pushed him 10 years ago or 20 years ago when you had the chance. Sorry. Don't, but, uh, don't yell at him. We want to keep doing this show. He's a little sick. But, I, I mean, again, it's. I think as fans, we all saw it. And we all knew. Like, we all remember those vignettes at Washington, D.C. We all remember, you know, the Stinkamalinkos and the, you know, him calling everybody by, like, a different name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we all, we all knew he was awesome. But I, management did it. If you read Jericho's first book, like you complete, there's a story with him being in the room with Bischoff, Hogan, and Goldberg, and it was like, like wow, like you really see nothing in this guy. So, yeah, Bischoff has admitted that he pretty much just let him go. Yeah, so to saying, it's easy to say. So it's easy to say like, oh, he had way ahead of time now, mm-hmm. but not back then. Right. I am one. I am curious if Eric would ever truly admit. Like, no, I didn't see it. Like, I 100% did not see it at the time. I think what, judging on his past answers, I think he'd more than likely say, I couldn't see my head from the trees. My roster was so big yeah, that I was just going with what I know would work, which was pro athletes, big men, Hulk Hogan, and Goldberg, who broke through all of it. Goldberg did break through all that. He'd only been around for a year at this time. You guys, being huge fans who were watching every show back then, what was it about Goldberg, do you think, that spoke so loudly to the audience that made them go rabid for him so quickly? At first, it was the mystery behind it. I remember it was September 22nd, 1997, from Salt Lake City, you. Utah. His first match against Hugh Morris. Um, and I remember just the, the announcers were like, who is this guy? Oh, my God, he just beat Hugh Morris. Like, like, and it was just like, okay, like not, not bad, you know? But I don't know, just the way he did certain moves where I'm like, oh, my God, that was cool. And, and it kind of got rid of that Austin comparison pretty quickly because he, he just was so intense. Mm. Um, for me, it was a schoolyard thing, because I was probably very early into middle school at the time. And you want, like, at, when you're that young, like 13, 14, you want to believe that it's all still real. Mm-hmm. That it's all, like, just as it's presented to you, and they're really punching each other. And most of what either side was showing you didn't appeal to that. It's st- it was still watchable and great, mm-hmm. but it didn't appeal to that. The believability factor was Goldberg high looked at this believable. Time. Like mm-hmm. for Goldberg to just run through everybody how he did mm-hmm. made the most sense cuz no one in my lifetime at that moment had ever done that. Mm-hmm. And he looked like someone who could. So to me, it Goldberg just made all the sense in the world, especially that match with Steven Regal where he literally mm-hmm. <laughs> where he literally ran through him in real life. That it, it, he was a legitimate badass in every way. God, all these people are at WWE now. <sighs> Man. I mean, wow. Goldberg works for that door. I mean, if Dennis Rodman shows up on SmackDown next week, I will not be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope the Nasty Boys or Brutus Beefcake doesn't show up there. 
I don't I don't think there's not without a, Hogan. too much chance of that. Well, let's talk about Hollywood Hogan and his uh, not-so-little tag team match, Hollywood Hogan, with Dennis Rodman, and uh, they're going up against DDP and Carl Malone. This one maybe didn't deliver as much as fans wanted. Was it supposed to deliver? But according to Eric, it served its purpose. Yeah. Well, how do you f- tell us how you feel, I'm G-Hern. just saying, like, it's, and again, I, I'm not anti-Meltzer at all. But and and, and I'm, I've ne- um, it would be okay if you were. <laughs> I've never I've never been a subscriber to the Observer, but so like him him Conrad kind of giving us these reviews. It's like the first time I've ever heard of. So whenever he says like, "Oh, this match was a dud" or "This match wasn't good," it's like, was it supposed to be good? Like it's it's exactly what you think it's supposed to be. It's Carmelone and Dennis Rodman in a freaking wrestling match. Like, what are you expecting mm-hmm. for it to be? You know, it's not about the moves. It's about you know the the press and the publicity and people buying the show to see to see them. You know, not yeah. not really to see them put on a classic, just to see them. I, it reminds me of a reviewer, a, a film reviewer was reviewing The Pink Panther Part Two in the early aughts, and Steve Martin, who was in that film, replied to that reviewer who gave it a dud. It was worthless, blah, blah, and like said. Maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> it's Pink Panther Part Two. I think we're, the first one was good. I think we're really far gone from making moving, movies even remotely for critics. Right. It's for children who want to see a giant pink panther. Like maybe you're judging us. Like maybe you need to take out a different clipboard. Right. This was for the basketball fans yes. who have seen them almost come to blows on the NBA Finals, knowing mm-hmm. that the NBA Finals are legit. Like that's real. That's believable. And now they want to see how it's going to translate when these guys actually get to get a piece of each and other. And especially because like the NBA Finals were done, so it's so for those fans that maybe wanted to get their extra fix in. Because yeah. anytime something's done, whether it's Super Bowl or the World Series, it's like man, kind of wish it was another week. This was that extra week. You know? Yeah, what I, mean? I hear people get really into sports and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we should get into it. <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, I would like to stick with things that have taglines such as, like skinny dipping in the shark tank, somebody's going down. That was that was the tagline for this pay-per-view. So, you guys didn't hate the main event, it sounds like. I mean... Again, it, it's, like you, like Steve just said, it's like, it depends, like, what they're going for. Like, was it a good match? No. Was I expecting for it to be a Mysterio Jericho or, like, a, you know, Eddie Chavo like we saw earlier? Absolutely not. It's completely unfair to hold them to the same standards as, as you know, Rodman or, or you know, right. Carmel. It's like, seriously? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that, that's Did you want more from Rodman? Did you want more Rodzilla? I remember we got <sighs> plenty from Rodman. Yeah. Like, I, I remember that? this match was... They, like, played a clip from this match in the local sports, in the local sports section of, like, the local, like, New Jersey channel where I was in summer of 98. (laughs) Then it was like, Dennis Rodman, he's wrestling, and then they played the clip where he was literally split-jumping people. And, like, that that was... So, to say that it didn't play, like, I don't know, I think think Dave Meltzer thinks everything should be... Like, but the five star rating really, right. in his mind, he claims he's encompassing all of wrestling, when really he's only encompassing three of the thirty two flavors. Don't of wrestling. even get me and started. His opinion and his narrative. The and fact that he put Seth Rollins is is he if he was in New Japan he'd be like not even in the top eight. 
Whatever. Oh, we are getting too sassy <laughs> for over the iPod. Peep for the pod listeners. I you know gave a certain finger Eric, to that. Please comment. feel better soon. <laughs> we have missed you gravely on this episode of the show. Congratulations to you once again. And uh, next week, hopefully with Eric calling in, we will be talking about a Raw from July 6, nineteen ninety eight. This is a fun crossover thing where Bruce Pritchard is covering a Nitro from the same period of time, and I'm sure these guys are gonna I don't know somehow spar back and forth because. Now they work for they both work for Vince and uh, they can do that. I think sort the most thing. memorable memorable part of the show is the DX Nation parody. Well, yes, of which course. is uh, yeah. I guess unfortunate would be the word. Uh, well, I can't wait to hear Eric and Conrad's thoughts on that one. If you guys have questions about that raw or about anything else that might be going on in Eric Bischoff's world or in the world of sports entertainment, <laughs> you can send us your questions using hashtag. Why can I never remember our after, after 83 weeks, weeks, the name of our show? And uh, we will get those questions asked from Eric next week. And if they want to reach out to you guys specifically and maybe complain about some of the stuff you said <laughs> or agree with you, either way, how would they do that, Steve Kaufman? Uh, they would find me on Twitter almost exclusively. I am at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I run a lot of YouTube pages that are rated five stars, but only only in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> I am George Ramosa, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A, Twitter, Instagram. I got some cool stuff coming up. You do have some cool stuff coming up. George is also an uh, independent wrestler. I forgot to mention that before. Oh, I was yeah. Touting your, uh, your insight. You should watch prowess. that w- Wrestling Pro Wrestling video on YouTube and Twitch. It's going to be interesting. That's right, and we will be right back here next week. You guys can always hit me up at Christy Reports, and uh, make sure you're tuning in to SmackDown Live, I guess. (laughs) And we will see you right back here next week for more After 83 Weeks. Have a good one. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.